Hi, this is Billy Briscoe from the Briscoe Group, a minority-owned firm founded right here in Houston. Stuck in a business dispute, injured at work, a bad auto accident. We're standing by day and night ready to fight for you. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Schedule a free consultation at thebriscoelawfirm.com. Call us at 713-752-2600. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Because every client matters. When man fell in the Garden of Eden, God made a promise that a Redeemer would one day come into the world. And from the Proto-Evangelium of Genesis at chapter 3 and verse 15, every sacrifice, every ritual of Jewish Worship was a type of condescending love stooping to be born. Everything God did was moving inexorably toward the moment when the Lamb would enter this world and pay the price to save men from their sins. The manger, brothers and sisters, the manger has been sanctified and glorified over the many years of Christmas celebrations. And this stark translation in the Gospel of Luke deliberately diminishes that aura of dignity. Nobody sings Away in a feeding trough. Which is just the point. The Savior who dies on a shameful cross was placed in a lowly feeding trough for barn animals when he was born. It's, it's not coincidental that the bread of life is lying in a feeding trough. I wish I had time to stay right there. But for Luke, the manger expresses the political, theological contrast between the world ruler Augustus and the hidden and lowly birth of the world redeemer, Jesus Christ. That night when in Judean skies, the mystic star dispensed its light a blind man moved in sleep and dreamed that he had sight. That night when, in the, when the shepherds heard the song of hosts angelic choiring near, a deaf man stirred in slumber spell and dreamed that he could hear. That night when to the mother's breast the tender babe was held secure, a prostitute slept a happy sleep and dreamed that she was pure. That night when in the manger laid the sanctified who came to save, a man moved in the sleep of death and dreamed that there was no grave. 
Our text tells us about the night the father's promise was fulfilled. Moreover, it speaks of the moment when God's promise to send his redeemer into the world was fulfilled over 2,000 years ago. Think with me for a moment about the place where this lamb was provided. Brothers and sisters, the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem is no coincidence. Micah at chapter 5 and verse 2 says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, even from everlasting. For the Messiah to be born in the right location, God providentially arranged a series of events to work together to bring that to pass. God uses an unwitting Caesar to accomplish divine purposes so that his child would be born in the city of David. The grandnephew of Julius Caesar, Gaius Octavius, defeated Mark Antony at Actium and brought an end to civil war, causing the Roman Senate to honor him with the title Augustus. He's Caesar Augustus. That word Augustus is a title which means majestic. He issues a decree that all his subjects of the vassal kingdoms be registered and taxed. The call is issued in Israel and Joseph and Mary return to his ancestral home in Bethlehem. Caesar may have been ruling, but God was overruling. Caesar may have been in charge, but God was on the throne. Before I move away from that place, brothers and sisters, I want you to see in your own life how God has overruled some situations to get you to the position that you are in right now. You're not where you are because you're that smart. It's some people smarter than you that God picked over them to bless you. You're not where you are because you went to college or because you live in a certain community or because you were born into a certain family. God just overrules some situations to navigate events in your life to bring you to where you are right now. Because while you were going through it, you couldn't understand what God was up to. But now that you're on the other side of it, you know it was God that was providentially arranging circumstances. It was not a divorce, it was a deliverance. It was not a setback, God was setting you up to make you recognize that sometimes you gotta just go through some stuff to come out on the other side of it to testify that God not only rules, but he overrules. 
I, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but not only do I thank God for the prayers he's answered, I thank God for the prayers he didn't answer. Because there are some things I did not need and God knew I did not need it, but I went after it nevertheless and got it and was sorry afterward. I wish I had somebody to help me testify. Somebody ought to help me talk about it. If I had known then what I know now, I'd have left that Negro right at his mama's house. But thank God for overruling our foolishness. Thank God for looking beyond our faults. Thank God for blessing us in spite of our sinful way. Um, he was born in Bethlehem of Ephrathah, a nowhere place between nowhere and goodbye. He was born to some nobodies. Mary and Joseph had no pedigree. They were nobody. And brothers and sisters, we have sanitized the Christmas story and the birth narrative so much that we've given the innkeeper a bad reputation. There was no room in the inn, not because the innkeeper was mean and, and obstinate and put him out. There was no room in the inn because somebody more important than them was in the room. And so when the more important people needed the room, they were res resigned to this stable underneath the house. Because in those days, animals lived in the house. Uh, that was an upper chamber, and then there was a lower chamber where, where hay was for the animals because they brought the animals in at night, and the, the animals were in the house with them. And Mary and Joseph could not go in the upper chamber because somebody more important than them had taken up residence. So the innkeeper, not to put them out in the cold, told them that they could find room in this stable of sorts. And Mary is heavy with child. And she gives birth to Jesus in a feeding trough where barn animals eat their food and she wraps him not in a receiving blanket from bed bath and beyond not in a soft cloth from Neiman Marcus but she wraps him in straps of linen used to bury the dead. That's, that's what the swaddling clothes are. Linen wrappings used to bury the dead. That is not coincidental. 
Because the same cloths used to wrap him in the manger will be the same cloth used to wrap him in the grave. So the shadow of the cross is looming over that manger. He was born to die. And this baby is in this manger, in this feeding trough. That's, that's, that's God coming in through the back door. God could have let his son be born in opulence and wealth. But God let him be born in powerlessness and poverty. God could have allowed him to be born in the emperor's palace. But God let him be born in a stable. To say to you and to me that God is not after the high thing. God is not after the big things. As a matter of fact, God can't save people who don't think they need to be saved. God can only save people who are humble enough to admit I'm lost and on my way to hell. And if the Lord Jesus doesn't come through, I'm lost and I will never be redeemed. But thank God, the God comes through the back door to make us recognize that they that are well don't need a physician. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's a, there's a, there's a place in Bethlehem called the Church of the Nativity, which is believed to be the place where Christ was actually born. And the Church of the Nativity is a beautiful place, I'm told. I've never been there. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen a documentary on it. But um, the door to the entrance of that church is low to the ground. And to get in it, you've got to stoop. You've got to lower yourself. You've got to bend down to get inside. And to get to Jesus. Somebody ought to help me preach today. To get salvation, you got to stoop down. I don't care what people tell you you are. If you're going to come to Jesus, you got to stoop down. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what kind of community you live in. If you want to get to Christ, you've got to stoop down. I'm looking at some of you. You're so sophisticated and highbrow that it don't take all of that. And you're looking at us carrying on and you, 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 you hear all this hollering and all this clapping and you're wondering what all that's about. You didn't come here for all of that. You, you want a quiet, stayed kind of uh, chilled service. 
and you're careful where you sit because you don't want to sit by nobody who make a whole lot of racket and clapping their hands every time you turn around preacher can't open his mouth for you hollering and going on you got my permission in the middle of this service if you're sitting in that dead spot because that is a dead spot if you seated in that dead spot with folk who don't clap and don't smile and don't tell God thank you and don't open their mouth and don't act like they're glad to be in this service and keep their arms folded the entire service, you have my permission to find somebody who look like they've been redeemed. Find somebody who really means to give God praise because praise is contagious. Before you know it, you start clapping. Before you know it, you will open your mouth and praise God. Because God has been so good that praise has a ripple effect. The elders down in Louisiana would, would, would pray like this. Give us that love that runs from heart to heart. I wish I had somebody to help me. And from breast to breast so that we can feel one another's cares and bear one another's burdens. The only reason you are here this morning is because God is full of mercy. God is gracious. God is slow to get angry. God is plenteous in mercy. And if you're going to get what God's got, you got to stoop down. Father, I stretch my hands to thee no other help I know if thou withdraw yourself from me I wish I had somebody who could help me I need somebody here whose back has been up against the wall and God showed up when you were crying God showed up when it looked like your tears would not stop flowing God showed up when it looked like the light would never come on in your life. And here you are today on the other side of that, shouting, can't nobody. Look where God has brought you from. Look what God has done for you. That's the place. But as a hurry, there's not only a place for this lamb to be provided. There's some people for whom this lamb is provided. Suddenly, there was a heavenly host. Angels came from heaven. With the light from heaven shone about them. But the light didn't shine on the baby. Nor did the light shine on Mary and Joseph. The light wasn't even in Bethlehem. The light went to a hillside. 
where some shepherd were. Now, in order for you to get this, you got to realize who the shepherds are. The shepherds were called dirt people. They were not allowed in the temple because the vilest, the most irascible, the most disgusting smell, the most disgusting language is heard by shepherds. They cuss. They chase women. They're rowdy. They're good for nothing but keeping stinking sheep. They smell like what they do. But the light shines on them. For God to say to some stinking, dirty, irascible, vile person in this church this morning, you are never too low down for God to talk to you. God will meet you in your filth. God will meet you in your dirt. God will meet you in your irascible condition and come to you with good news. Angels talking to shepherds. The most stupendous news the world will ever hear was first heard by dirt people. And they were terrified. They got the flask in their pocket. chewing tobacco talking about where they gone after they put the sheep down for the night and all of a sudden God shows up and these vile low down dirty shepherds are terrified they fall on their faces and the angel said to them, fear not, for I bring you glad tidings of great joy. For unto you, you, I'm talking about you, dirty shepherds with your flask in your pocket, with your tobacco in the back of your mouth, with the filth in your mind that you're going to do after you leave tending your sheep, to you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and this is the sign that I want you to know that I'm really telling you the truth you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger but now brothers and sisters get this 
Get this, get this, get this, get this. The angels delivered their message and got out the way. As soon as they made their announcement, the light that shone in the field with the shepherds goes out and they go back to heaven because they came to do what God sent them to do and got out of the way. Oftentimes, those of us who preach and teach muddle the message because we make it about us. You are not the message. You are the messenger. Speak what God said to speak and get out the way. Preach and disappear. Proclaim it and go sit down somewhere. Because once I deliver the message, it's up to you to respond. If I do not deliver the message, the blood is required in my hand. But if I deliver the message and you don't respond, the blood is on your hand. Listen, the angels did not goad them. The angels did not guide them. Nor did the angels guard them. They gave the most important news that will ever be heard on earth to dirt people and disappear. God has given us the gospel and it is our responsibility not to become the message but to be messengers. I've said this in, in revival. And, 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 and I wonder why I haven't been invited back to those places. Um, that, that preachers, preachers have turned the gospel into something other than God intended. And we have become the message rather than the messenger. Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on an ass and now asses are riding jet planes to call themselves preaching the gospel. And they are so up in the air with themselves that somebody got to carry their Bible and somebody got to open the car door for them and somebody got to go put gas in their car and and, and somebody got to bring their coat to them like they are some kind of celebrity. You're not a celebrity, Reverend. If you're listening to me on, on social media, Reverend, you're not a celebrity because you got four likes on Facebook. You are not a celebrity, you're a servant. Because the greatest preacher other than Jesus was the Apostle Paul. 
a Jew by birth, a Roman by citizenship, a tent maker by trade, and a lawyer by profession. A Christian, because of what happened on the Damascus Road, spoke 13 languages, seven of them fluently, wrote over half of the New Testament, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. And every time he writes a letter, he never even calls himself Reverend Paul. He says, I, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only title I need because when it's all over, he's not going to call me reverend. He's not going to call me doctor. He's not going to call me bishop. Servant. Well done. This, 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 this matter of turning yourself into the message is unscriptural, it's unbiblical. Because angels delivered their message and disappeared. When Jesus came to the Jordan to be baptized, John said, there's one coming after me. I wish I had a Bible reader whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unloose. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost. I must decrease so that he might increase. And brothers and sisters, people when they come to church want to see more of Jesus and less of us. I'm through. But when the shepherds heard that, they went to Bethlehem. They went to where that baby was in the manger, in that feeding trough, because they said, let's go and see this thing that has come to pass. And brothers and sisters, when they saw, they went and spoke about it. Because if you see something, You got to say something. I wish I had some help to close here. When you see something, you got to say something. Too many of us are trying to say something and we ain't seen nothing. I need two or three more believers here. Isaiah said it was in the year that King Uzziah died. I wish I had a Bible reader. That I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Seraphim had six wings. They covered their face and they covered their feet and they did fly. And Isaiah said when I saw that beatific vision, I said, woe is me. For I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And then he said, an angel, the cherubim, took some live coals from off the altar and put it on my lips. And said, your lips have been touched. Your, your, your mouth now is ready to speak. These things have touched your lips. And then Isaiah said, after I saw something, I heard something. I heard a voice saying, who shall I send? 
and who will go for us. And then Isaiah, after he saw something and heard something, he said, here am I, send me. I wish I had somebody to help me. These shepherds went to see this baby. And when they saw the baby lying in a manger, just like the angel had spoken, they left that cradle and went everywhere talking to people who wouldn't talk to them before. Telling everybody they met that they had seen the Christ child lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Everybody who experiences Jesus never leaves the same way they came. Everybody who's been born again never leaves the same way they came. If the Lord has saved you, if you have seen something, now would be a good time to say something. If the Lord has opened your eyes, then you ought to open your mouth. If God has opened your ears, then you ought to open your mouth. Let somebody know that it was nobody but Jesus. I need two or three more witnesses here who's seen the Lord for yourself. I'm not talking about seeing him with your physical eyes, but you've seen some miracles in your life. You've seen some doors open in your life. You've seen some ways made in your situation. You've seen God do some things that never would have been accomplished if God hadn't done them for you. You are not the same person you used to be 25 years ago. Because God has his hands on your life. Is there anybody here can look back over your life and see where God has brought you from? Not just made some improvements in your life, but God has made you a brand new person. Not just done some touch-up work in your life, but God has made you a brand new person. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now if dirty shepherds can go tell that story, what about you in this church this morning? All dressed up in your finest, makeup on your face, your best clothes on this morning. You're dressed up because God's been good to you. You're living good because God's been good to you. You're doing fine because God has made a way for you. How dare you keep your mouth closed? I dare you act like you don't know who it was that brought you. Is there anybody here know who opened the door for you? Is there anybody here know who it was that made a way for you is there anybody here not ashamed to testify i didn't see him at bethlehem i didn't see him at calvary but i came to jesus 
as I was I was weary worn and sad but I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad I know we've got some COVID protocols and we can't do it like we used to do it but why don't you just look at somebody why don't you just look at your neighbor and say you should have seen me before the Lord got his hands on me you should have known me before God saved me but look directly at me now look in my face right now I got a story to tell look at me I'm a testimony I didn't make it on my own I'm not standing here alone it was Jesus it was Jesus it was Jesus it was Jesus one Friday on a hill called Calvary he died didn't he die but brother Sunday morning he got up from the grave and because he lives I can face them all because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and my life and your life is worth living because he lives why don't you tell somebody God's been good to me 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 I know he's alright
see this thing that the Lord has spoken and the Bible says when the shepherds saw it they left that feeding trough and they went and told everybody Jesus Christ is born this day in the city of David there is Christ the Lord